Welcome to Central Baptist Church's Sermon Podcast. This program features the preaching and teaching of Corey Ramirez, the pastor of Central Baptist Church of Little Rock, Arkansas. In God's Word, you will find the encouragement needed for today. And now, here is Pastor Ramirez. The title of the message this morning is Finding Success After Failure. Finding Success After Failure. You know, uh, when you fail, especially if it's something you think you should succeed at, it can be discouraging. Uh, it can be discouraging. And I think for Joshua, he was probably discouraged at this time. They had went out to uh, fight a battle they thought they could easily win to the point where they didn't send all their army. They sent just uh, enough to they thought would get the job done. And they retreated. I mean, quickly. They got defeated, got knocked back. Come to find out there was sin in the camp. There was a problem they had to address and they had to deal with. Uh, but we don't. what we find here is we find a man who's now waiting upon God because I believe he's probably unsure of what to do. Uh, you see, what we find is after failure, we can become discouraged. Uh, the thought I have here this morning is after failure, you can wonder, will God bless me again in that way? Or will God use me again in that direction or for that purpose? You know, uh, I have known pastors who, uh, and missionaries who have reached that point in their ministry at times where they wondered if God would use them again. They wondered if, if God was through with them. And it's a discouraging time. And we find that in the Bible at times. And, you know, I can tell you there have been times in my life where after a mistake where I thought, you know, Lord, I, I'm sorry can you use me again or, or can you bless in this way? And we find in life that that's, we can get to that point. And it can be in anything in your life, your personal life, in parenting and, and raising family or at work or just in serving the Lord. And this morning, here's the statement I want to give you and I want to kind of go with this statement. We'll finish with it. Uh, when it comes to God, failure is not final. Okay, failure is not final. And God can and often will bless again. And so this morning, let's look at this passage. And I want to give you some ideas or some thoughts from this passage on how Joshua was able to go forward again and the people of Israel and how God blessed in a great way. So we're going to look at this. Here's the first one here. Finding success after failure. You must withdraw from sin if you're going to be successful again. When I say successful, we're not talking about the success that the world has to offer, but God blessing your life and God working in your life. And that's what they had to do. You know, the Bible tells us in chapter 7 that there was a problem that they had as far as the sin. Uh, And we find in verse 13 that they had to sanctify the people and say, Sanctify yourselves against tomorrow. For thus uh, saith the Lord God of Israel, There is an accursed thing in the midst of thee, O Israel. Thou canst not stand before thine enemies until you take away the accursed thing uh, from among you. And so they had to remove the sin that was in the camp, the problem. And they did. They addressed that, and that was taken care of. And so we find that happening at the end of chapter 7, where they found out Achan was the man who sinned. And I tell you, the... The consequences were great. Well, consequences to any sin are great. You know, for the wages of sin is death. And we find here the judgment came swiftly upon Achan and his family. And he was removed. His family was removed from the Israelite camp. And so what we find is the sin was addressed. They had to deal with it. Well, this morning, that's where I want to begin with. If we're going to find success after failure, we have to make sure there's no sin in our life. We've got to make sure that we have examined our life, and if we find any sin, we've confessed it and we forsake it, and we move on. And here's some thoughts on this. They had a problem. You know, one of the things with sin, sin will separate you from God. That's what it does. Separates you from God. Now, we know that sin that's a sinner who's never asked forgiveness, they're, they're separated from God. That's the problem. They're, they're enemies with God. They're opposed to God. And until they accept Christ as their Savior, they'll remain that way. But, you know, even after we're saved, sin's going to hinder your walk with God. 
The Bible tells us it's going gonna, it's gonna to affect your prayer life if you have sin. It's going to affect your prayer life. Uh, you know, sometimes I don't think our prayers are heard because we have sin. There's sin in our heart. And so, obviously, that affects our prayer life. It's going to affect your walk with God. It's going to affect your witness for the Lord. You know, it's difficult to tell others about Christ when your conscience is guilty of the, your own sin. And so, what happens is sin will just hinder your relationship with God, your walk with the Lord, uh, to the point where there'll be, you'll still be saved. You'll just, the power of God in your life will be missing as far as the work. He'll be working to convict your heart so that way you'll repent and get things right. So here's the first thought for you I have here is after any failure of any kind, I think it's best to examine your own heart. Examine your own heart. Uh, For two reasons. One, make sure that it wasn't due to sin. You know, we can fail sometimes and it's not due to sin. God just didn't allow us to succeed for whatever reason. But make sure that there is no sin there. Make sure that there's no sin. Because if it was due to sin, then you can address it and get it taken care of. So make sure that there's no sin there. Secondly, here's something else I have found interesting. There may be other sins there that didn't directly affect what was taking place, but were what we call indirect sins that when you examine your heart, God will show you. And you'll say, oh, well, i got to get this taken care of. Here I think we find an example of that. You know, the Bible tells us that Joshua, when he sent the men in to fight this group, initially he sent just part of the men because they said, you know what, we don't need all our men. It almost seems like there's a little bit of overconfidence there. Even the Lord didn't rebuke them, like, publicly. You know, later, as we read in this chapter here, God told them to send everybody in. So it's possible that Joshua and some of the leaders got a little bit overconfident. You know, it's so easy to let pride or or to allow pride to seek into our hearts. And sometimes when we examine our hearts, you know, we may find that there are other areas that we need to address that didn't directly affect maybe the failure, but need to be addressed anyway. And so it's good to examine your heart to make sure there's nothing there that is hindering your walk with God. I want to go over to one passage in the New Testament. 1 John chapter 1. And I want to show you this, and then we'll, we'll move on here this morning. We'll come back to Joshua. But 1 John chapter 1, 1 John chapter 1, it says here in verse 5, This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Let's, uh, let me just stop there and let us get a good picture of who God is. He's light. He's light. You know, it's interesting. He's a a blinding light because he's pure and he's holy. And the Bible says, in him is no darkness at all. Uh, I don't think we can really comprehend that. You know, uh, you think of the sun. I think that's the brightest thing that we can see here today. And and you're not to look into the sun, uh, you know, or stare at the sun. And the sun's bright. God is brighter than the sun. And there's no darkness in God at all. None uh, whatsoever. And it says here in verse 6, If we say that we have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. And it says, "If If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar and His word is not in us. You know, this, this passage here is excellent on, on talking about the difference between God and us. First off, how great God is and how sinful we are. And, you know, it's not one of those where it's just close. You know, uh, some say, well, you know... We're, 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 we're all right. We're not even all right when it comes to us before God. There, there, you know, we can't even imagine the great gulf that's between us and God. God is just amazing. And then we're sinners. 
And I think this passage reminds us of that. And then it also reminds us that if there's sin in our life, that hinders the relationship because God is light and there's no darkness in Him at all. So what we must make sure of, if there's sin there, the Bible says we must confess it and forsake it. Uh, first off, as far as confession, you know, that word means to say the same thing, is what it literally means, you know, to say the same thing. In other words, when you confess, you're basically agreeing with God. You're saying, God, you're right. I, I've sinned. This is a mistake. I'm wrong. You're right. I'm wrong. Uh, we're going to agree together. And when you come to an agreement with God and you confess your sin, you recognize your sin, you accept your sin, and you... Are saying, God, I'm a sinner. You know, true repentance is the understanding of sin and being sorrowful for your sin, understanding that you sin against God. And then the, the next step is you're cleansed when you confess. The Bible says you're cleansed from all unrighteousness. In other words, you're, you're clean and, and you can walk with God. Now, obviously, when it comes to salvation, God cleanses the soul. But you know, after we're saved, when there's sin, we must confess that sin and forsake it and move on with God and walk with the Lord. That's what they had to do back in the times of Joshua. They had to get that sin out. And that's what they did. They got the sin out and God blessed again. So here's the the final thought on, on this point here. You know what produces power in the life of the Christian as far as if you want the power of God? It's purity. Being right with God. Being pure. That's what's going to allow the Lord to work in your life. You know, the Bible talks about us being vessels, empty vessels where God can work through us. We want to be a clean vessel that God can work through. And so when we have purity in our life, that's what produces or allows the power of God to work through us. It's not our plans. It's not our programs. It's not our good intentions. It's not our good deeds. It's not our personal strength. But it's being pure before God so He can work through us. You know, that's kind of the lesson that they were learning as they were going into the land, that God could do great things through them. But they had to walk with God. They had to maintain a pure life. They had to stay away from sin and separate, and God would bless them and work through them. Now, we never find where He's going to forsake them, but the power that He had would be limited when there was sin there. And that's what, that, that was the problem, and that's what led to their failure. So now let's go back to Joshua chapter 8 here, and let's see as far as what we find. So they had to withdraw from sin, and they, they did do that. They withdrew from sin. But here's the, the thing we find in this verse. They had to wait upon the Lord. Jo- Joshua had to wait upon God. I have a hard time waiting. I don't know if anyone else here has a hard time waiting. I, I don't like to wait. You know, if I drive by somewhere and I have to make an appointment or I have to go in, and if there's a long line, man, I'll find any other reason. I'll find something else to do, make up some excuses. I don't like to just sit and wait in line if I don't have to. And I don't like to wait. But sometimes we've got to wait upon God. We can't go in front. We can't run ahead. We've got to wait upon the Lord. That's what Joshua was doing here. He was waiting. We don't find him organizing the men to go back to fight. We don't find him moving forward in the land. Now, it doesn't give us the details of what he was doing. We're not told. But we do know he was sitting still. They weren't going anywhere. They weren't planning any campaigns. They weren't taking over any land. They were just there. They had taken care of the sin. And basically, they were waiting upon God. I don't know how long they waited. Uh, The Bible doesn't give us details how long they waited. I know uh, any waiting for me is a long time, it seems like. Uh, But, you know, waiting can be difficult. And we find here, verse 1, it says, And the Lord said unto Joshua. Don't you think when God spoke with him, it just kind of thrilled Joshua's heart? Okay, God, I'm here. I'm ready now. I've been waiting for you. Now, please show me what you want me to do. Have you ever had that where you, you had a prayer request? You offered it up to God? 
And then it was answered. You just wanted to rejoice because you knew God was working and God was blessing your life. He heard your prayers. And now here Joshua, I imagine, was excited. He was thrilled and now he's eagerly waiting to see what God had for him. And we find a few things here that I want to point out to you as far as him waiting upon the Lord. First, uh, God gave him peace as he waited. Notice the first thing God said to him. He says, The Lord said unto Joshua, Fear not, neither be thou dismayed. Fear not, neither be thou dismayed. Joshua was to put away his fears. That's the first thing he was to put away. You know what this indicates? It indicates there was some fear in his heart. That's what it indicates. Uh, There were some troubles, maybe. Maybe not the fear that was going to cause him to run, but just a little bit of doubt. Have you ever had that before? It wasn't a fear that you were going to not get out of bed that day or or not go forward, but just some some concerns, some, some fears that caused you to worry a bit. He says, put those away, Joshua. Don't fear. So that's the first thing God did here. He gave them some peace. You see, they had been badly beaten. And I imagine Joshua may have wondered, are we to go fight again? You know, you're still going to give us the land? How's this going to work out? And so he was to cast out those fears, and he was to live by faith. You know, for Joshua, he was not to live, basically, he wasn't to live in the past anymore. He'd been forgiven. The the sin was addressed and taken care of. He was to move on. You know, that's something I, I want to share with you this morning. Often it's living in the past that gets us in trouble. Living in the past. Now, we learn from the past, obviously. We don't forget. We, we, we learn our lessons. But if we sit and dwell on the past, that's when the fears can come up. That's when the doubts and the worries. You see, they were forgiven of the sin. God was going to bless them again. If you've made a mistake in the past, you've asked God to forgive you, then you just leave it in the past. You leave it there. You go forward with God. He's forgiven you. Now, the world may try to bring it up, or a worldly person may try to, to bring it up on you again. But if they do, you just remind them that God's forgiven you. And if God's forgiven you, then it's settled. And you can go forward. And, that, and we find here that he was to find some peace. He was not to be afraid, not to be discouraged. Uh, and Joshua was not to live in the past anymore. He's to prepare to, to go forward. Uh, you know, this morning, maybe there's someone here that's been living in fear. Maybe there's been some fear, and, and it's not the fear that just cripples you, but it's just a, some doubts, concerns, and worries. Maybe you're afraid because of something that's happened in the past, or maybe you're afraid of something that might happen. I know that can cause fears, too, where we, we wonder, you know, what's going to happen tomorrow with this? You know, today I'm good, but tomorrow or next week, you know, uh, sometimes you get, you know, tests you got to take. Whether it's for school or something at work or something at the doctor's office next week or a month. And you begin to think on those things. And you can get fearful and begin to worry. Well, this morning, I want to encourage you to put away those fears. Okay, put them away. And live by faith today. And go forward with God. You see, what we find is defeat will produce discouragement if we let it. And just one defeat, one mistake, and you can be ready to quit. Or ready just to say, I've had enough. But when you look to God and His Word, that's when you're going to find peace. You're going to find some comfort. You're going to find some strength. You can go forward. You know, Hebrews 13 to 8 tells us that God will never leave you nor forsake you. So you have that promise that God is with you today. And I encourage you to hold on to that promise. Now, that's not to say everything is going to be easy. or That's not to say that you are not have those things that you've got to deal with. But what that is, is you're walking by faith. You're trusting God to take care of today. And you're going to trust Him to take care of tomorrow. You're going to trust the Lord to take care of this. That. You know, I heard, a, or I actually read a while back, a story of a man who, uh, he was a businessman, and he, he had a problem with fear or worries and concerns. And he had a friend who said, he goes, I'll tell you what, he goes, uh, try this. He goes, you know, in your office, get a, get a bottle there or, or you know, some kind of, of um, 
I guess a bottle of some sort, you know, glass cup, he said. And he goes, take these marbles. He gave him some marbles. He goes, and every time you have something you're worried about, he said, put a marble in there. And he goes, and just say, I'm going to give this to God. He goes, and then at the end of the week, he goes, uh, look at that and see what happens. And, he, and the guy who was telling the story said he thought it was foolish, but he tried it. And he did. And he said at the end of the week, he said, I looked at it and I thought, you know what, I can't even remember what I put most of those marbles in for. He said, what happened is we worry over things and often a lot of what we worry about never comes to pass. And all worry does is it robs us of our joy today and our peace today. And we need to put those in God's hands and go forward. And so what we find here is God wanted him to have peace, not to be discouraged. And second, notice uh, Joshua 8, he says here in verse 1, The Lord said to Joshua, Fear not, neither be thou dismayed. And then he gives him his plans. Okay, he gives Joshua some plans. That's the second thing here. He says, uh, Take all the people of war with thee, and arise and go up to Ai. See, I have given in thy hand the king of Ai. So, here's his plans. Now, later in the passage, we've read there, the plans are a little bit more given in detail. He gives them a plan what to do. But I want to point out to you a few things. First, notice it was the same enemy. The same enemy. The Lord did not remove this trial. He could have, but he didn't. I've had trials like that where... I, mean, I, I prayed, Lord, it would be nice if you could remove this. But he didn't. And that's what he did here. And here's another one. He didn't take him around either. He didn't say, okay, go around him. He's going to have him go straight through this trial. You know, the Lord will do that sometimes. Now, he could have had him go around. And there are times he might do that. Where he may lead you a different direction away from a trial. But then there are going to be times in your life where God may say, no, I want you to go through this. And I'm going to give you strength to go through this. I'm going to give you the victory. I'm going to teach you through this. And that's what he did here. He said, I want you to face this trial. And I want you to go forward. So it was the same enemy and the same trial. And they were to, to go forward into it. But this time, they were to take the whole army. The whole army. See, previously, they had sent out just part of the army. I, I think they thought they had it conquered. They thought they could win. They, they were excited. You know, everything was going well. And I think they thought, hey, you know, we, we can do this. Uh, we don't need all of our army. We'll just take part of them. Now God says, no, take everybody. And, and here's a thought I have on this. All-out commitment was required. If you want to have success after failure, you're going to have to have commitment to God. All-out commitment. You see, God didn't want just some of the men to go. He wanted the whole army to go. He wanted the whole army that represented Israel to go forward into this battle. And I think that's important here. Because often, success is limited by a lack of commitment. Often our success is not there when we walk with God because there's no commitment on our part. Now think about that for a moment. It can't be God's fault, right? God's perfect. God's pure. God's holy. So if we're not, now when I say success, we're not talking worldly success. We're talking spiritual success, a relationship with God, the blessings that God has for us, the direction that God has in your life, power over temptation, power over sin. You know, if those things are missing, it's not because God is limited or powerless. It's because we've either limited God, there's sin in our life. Now, if you've addressed sin and you removed it, then it could be just a lack of commitment. And that's what we find here. God wanted all of them to go forward. He wanted all of them to, to make this commitment to go into the land. And this morning, let me challenge you on that, on commitment, for just a few moments. First, in your personal life. Uh, I have found in my personal life, if I don't study the Bible, I just don't know it very well. The more you study the Bible, the more you know it. Just make a commitment to read the Word of God. 
Take time to read it. Take time to study it. Take time to memorize it. To think it over throughout your day. You know, I think a good practice is to, to get a verse in the morning. One that you either want to memorize or one you just want to think over. And go through your day. And think on those things. And even write things down on all the, the, the thoughts that the Spirit works in your heart on that verse for that day. It could be something from your personal study. It could be something that you have as you're reading through your day. But find something you can just take with you that day. Make a commitment to read God's Word, to study it, and get to know God's Word. And the more you know of God's Word, the stronger you'll be, not only in the Word, but with God. Uh, another area is prayer. You know, when you think about prayer, really prayer isn't difficult as far as process of prayer. But making time for prayer can be difficult. I've had that. Uh, I'll be... I'll. I'll let me confess something to you. You know, one of the first things that go in my relationship is my prayer life. Uh, I don't know if that's with other people, but I know when I get in a hurry, I tend to begin cutting my prayer short. You see, you've got to make time to pray. Now, it's good to pray over your meals. I think it's good to thank God for your meals. But you know what? Take time to have personal prayer in your life, to start your day with prayer. Family prayer. Talk, pray with your husband, pray with your wife. Take time to pray. You know, at church, we pray on Wednesday nights. You know, I'm thinking about having more prayer meetings at church, talking to God and getting more time to talk to the Lord. You know, it's interesting. The apostles never asked him how to preach, but they did ask him how to pray. I think they saw the power of prayer, and they saw Christ, or they heard him pray. You see, prayer is important, so take time to pray. Then, of course, witnessing. Take time to witness. Make a commitment that you're going to be a testimony. If you get a chance to share Christ with somebody, you're going to share Christ with someone, or hand out a tract, invite them to church. Uh, Also, think about your other responsibilities in life. Make a commitment. You're married? Be the best husband, be the best wife you possibly can. Make an all-out commitment. You know, as far as, you know, marriage... And when I counsel people as far as marriage counseling when they first, before they're married, one of the things I always tell them is say, there is no, don't make a plan B when it comes to marriage. Don't start off your marriage with, well, if this doesn't work, we'll do this. No, no, you make a commitment. That's what marriage is. It's a commitment. And that's what we find here, I think, as Christians. We need to make commitments in life as far as our responsibilities, all of them. And then, of course, in church, make a commitment to your church. Serve God. Pray for your church. Get involved in your church. And just make a commitment to church. You know, often success is missing just because of lack of commitment. And here they were to all go forward. And then here's my last one on this, the promise. Notice the promise given to them. We're back in Joshua chapter 8. And it says here in verse 1, he says, Arise and go up to Ai. And then he says, See... I have given into thy hand the king of Ai and his people and his city and his land. So you know what we find here is the Lord promised victory to Joshua. He said, see, here it is. It's yours. You can have it. You just got to go forward. You see, this was as good as done now. God is telling Joshua this is done. You know, if God says something is done, it's done. If God has promised something, it's going to come to pass. Because God's word is good. And that's what we find here. That this was a gift to Joshua and the Israelites. They were gonna, he was going to give them a victory. He was going to give them a blessing. So if you're going to go forward after failure, you've got to hold on to the promises of God. Let me give you one. How about salvation? That's the greatest gift there is. That's a gift of grace. This here was a gift of grace too, by the way. They didn't earn this. But God said, I'm going to give you the victory. Well, God gives us the victory over death. Victory over sin through His Son, Jesus Christ. You know, the payment that was made on that cross. When Christ went to the cross, the Bible says, he, when He was up there, He said, it is finished. You see, He had finished the work, made the atonement. Now, of course, He had to go and into the grave for three days, and then He conquered and, and defeated the grave, but then He went before God the Father. And the Bible teaches all those that believe on Him, that receive Him into their heart, they have that victory as well. 
And you'll have that victory as well. That's, that's the greatest victory you can have this morning, is the victory over sin, victory over death and the grave. And that's through Jesus Christ. Because we're powerless to gain that victory. And that's where understanding your sin or repenting of your sin and then believing on Jesus Christ, receiving Him into your heart by faith, and the Bible says you shall be saved. I, I hope and pray everyone here is saved. That's the greatest victory you can have. Make sure you're saved and you've accepted Christ as your Savior. And that's a promise. That's the promises we find from God. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's a promise I can give each one of you here this morning. I can take that to the world and say, you know, you call upon the name of the Lord, ye shall be saved. It's not limited. That's a promise that God has given to us. And so what we find here is God promised Joshua a victory. He says, you go, it's yours. Now in the Bible, there are a whole lot more promises. Read the Bible and claim those promises that God has given. You know, when you're discouraged, never forget he's not going to forsake you or leave you. See, that's a promise he's given. Hold on to that promise. Uh, Another promise, when you feel alone. Understand, God's with you. He's not going to leave you or forsake you. Hold on to that promise. You see, claim those promises that you know from God's Word. And so, what we find here, if God's given it, then you're going to receive it. God will give it to you. Take God at His Word and claim what He's given you. And that's what Joshua was to do. Go forward and claim that. And that leads me to my final thought here this morning on this passage. And that is, we're to walk with God. If you want to find success after failure, you have to, of course, withdraw from sin. Then you have to wait upon the Lord to lead. And then when He leads, you just got to walk with Him. That's what they had to do. They had just had to go the direction God gave them. And that's what I want to talk about just for a few minutes. First, they had to move forward again. But that's important. Because they had stopped. They weren't going anywhere. They weren't going into the land. They weren't going backwards. They were just there. Uh, Have you ever had that feeling in life like that before? Where you just feel like, man, I'm going nowhere. Spinning my wheels. Maybe it happened at work. Maybe it's in your personal life. Uh, Well, you know what? If that's the case, then get with God. And begin walking with Him again. That's what happened here. They had to walk with God. They had to go the direction God wanted them to go. And he gave them the directions. You know, the Bible is filled with directions for us and for directions for you right here. And you apply those. You live by those as you go forward. And so they went. Joshua delivered the message to the people. They followed. You'll notice there was no delay or hesitation. Uh, I guess the thought here is if you know to do right, then just do right. That's what it amounts to. If you know you're to do something, then do something. Just just follow God's will. And they knew they were to go forward, so they went forward. And what we find here that God blessed. Also, they went the right way, too. Uh, They didn't go side to side. They didn't get sidetracked. Uh, They didn't go backwards. They went the way God wanted them to go, and God blessed them. So, success is just walking with God. Walking with God. And, And this is something you can do on a daily basis. Every single day, just walk with the Lord. Walk with God. Pray. Talk to Him. Read his Bible, yield to him, ask him for direction when you need direction. You see, just have a relationship with God that you develop and you just walk with him every single day. And they were to walk with God and that's what they did. And then here's the other part. How about faith? They had to trust in God. They had to have faith. You see, all they had was God's word. That was it. But if you have God's word, that's enough, is it not? That's enough, just to have God's word, God's promise. And that's all they had. God said, you go and I'll give it to you. Now this is the same enemy that just whipped him and sent him running. But God says, you go and I'll give it to you. So they had God's word, they just now had to act upon it. You see, that's what faith does. Faith enables us to act upon the promises of God. When you trust in God, it's going to enable you to apply the teachings of God. And to walk with God. You're going to say, okay, I'm going to be a witness today. I'm going to invite my friends to church. 
Even if half of them say no, I'm still going to invite them. I'm going to tell them about Christ when the opportunity arises. Because I'm going to trust God. God's directed me to do this. And I'm just going to trust Him and go forward. You see, it's the doubts that will cause you to stop. It's those doubts in life that will cause you to hinder. Or hinder your faith, excuse me. And so we must make sure that we are going by faith and living by faith. Let me give you an illustration here of of doubts and how worry and fears can trouble us. Uh, It's a story by John Wesley that he'd written in his journal. And uh, what it was, a story he said one day he was walking with a friend uh, who was troubled. Uh, The man was troubled. The man pretty much expressed his doubts and his worries and all his concerns to uh, John Wesley as they were walking and basically began to question God's goodness, uh, if God, how God was good to him, and he didn't see it. He says, I don't know what I shall do with all this worry and all this trouble is what he said. And as they were walking along, uh, John Wesley said he looked over and there was a field and there was a cow there, uh, and the cow was looking over the stone wall. And John Wesley looked at his friend, he says, and he asked him a question. He says, uh, you know why that cow is looking over the wall? And the man said, no. And John Wesley says, because he can't look through it. And he went out to explain, hey, you've got to look beyond your problems, and you've got to look to God. You see, we get in trouble when we just focus on our concerns and our problems and everything that's right in front of us. And we forget that there's a God above. And we might not forget it, like, theologically. We know God's there. But in practice, we get so concerned with our worries and everything we're dealing with that we take our eyes off the Lord. kind of reminds me of Peter when he was walking on the water. Everything was fine until he noticed the storm around him. And then he began to sink. Now, that storm was there the whole time. But when he took his eyes off Christ and saw the storm is when he began to sink and to cry for help. You see, when we focus on our problems, our concerns then the worry and the doubts will start to creep in. We keep our eyes on God. You know your circumstances may remain the same, but your faith will be strong as you're walking with the Lord. So take God at His word. Take God at His word. Trust Him to provide. Go forward by faith and live each and every day for God's glory. You know, in closing this morning, what amounted to Joshua was given a purpose again. He was given a purpose again. And that purpose was to walk with God, to go forward. And we find him getting up and going. We don't find him worrying anymore. He goes forward. He, he goes forward by faith and he continues on through the land and God continues to give him great victory. So God did not forsake Joshua and God will not forsake you this morning. God was willing to bless Joshua again. God will bless you as you go forward. Uh, you have a purpose as well. Okay, you have a purpose as well. I believe everyone has a purpose. And I believe, obviously, your purpose is to glorify God in your life. And whatever direction God takes you, you go that direction. Whatever responsibilities God has given you, you fulfill those responsibilities. We're all different. God's going to take us different directions. God's got different responsibilities for us to fulfill, but you fulfill yours. You be faithful to God where you are. And if you've made some mistakes, remember, failure is not final. Seek God's forgiveness, go forward, and God will bless you again. You've been listening to the preaching of Pastor Ramirez of Central Baptist Church of Little Rock, Arkansas. We hope today's message encouraged you. If you would like more information about Pastor Ramirez or Central Baptist Church, please visit our website, centralbaptistchurch.org. Thank you for listening today. Be sure to join us again for another message from God's Word.